You probably know by now that I was not really planning to preach today. Um, and so you have what I was able to jot down in my phone on my way here. Someone else was driving. <laughs> you should know that. So I'm, I'm going to tell you a story that I think has been one of the more formative stories of my own life. And I didn't plan it this way, but this is another story about my mother. If you were here last week, you heard that she had a soft spot for animals. Um, today I'm going to tell you something else about her. She was very resourceful, and I was kind of crazy as a child. Um, it happened when I was about five or six years old, and um, we had a kitchen built in the late 1940s, and if you ever, any of you have seen a kitchen built at that time, you might recall having seen at the end of the, the counter space um, kind of a rounded edge that has um, little, um, little shelves going from counter height down to the floor, um, where if it was my kitchen, I would keep plastic things, probably. But, <clears throat> but my mother kept some of her most precious little treasures, including a particular teacup with pink roses on it. I remember that. And um, when I was five or six, I thought I was born to dance. I don't think that anymore. Um, I, I tried for a while and I enjoyed it, but definitely not my career. Um, so I danced in the kitchen because it had the best dance floor of our entire house. And one day, as I was dancing, I raised my foot to its, its full height and did this spin. And as I was spinning, my foot just happened to brush right along the shelf with the pink roses teacup on it. And um, the teacup took off dancing as well. And the cup and the saucer that was sitting under it smashed against the floor. You can imagine what that looked like. Um, some fine china just bleh in shards and crumbs and pieces that I think evaporated, I'm not sure. Um, but my mother, being the mother that she was, didn't say a word to me. She just got down on her hands and knees with a napkin and began picking up all these little pieces of, um, of fine china. And after she had everything gathered that she could possibly pick up, um, she sat it on the kitchen table and then she went to get her favorite little tube of glue. And then we sat there, she and I together, for the next few hours, gluing that cup and saucer back together. Um, you might guess that since some of the pieces evaporated in the fall, um, the teacup came out with some cracks and little puncture wounds in it. And um, I knew even at that age that that would never be a teacup again. So instead, my mother, once the glue had dried, she set the saucer in the center of the table, and then she set the cup on top of it, and then she put sugar in it. It wouldn't hold tea, but it could sort of hold sugar. And even that wasn't perfect, because, again, puncture wounds and cracks, there was constantly little bits of sugar sort of sifting out 
onto the saucer in the center of the table. I suspect the saucer leaked, leaked as well, but I never actually picked it up to look. I was too afraid of it. But um, <clears throat> What I do remember the most, though, is sitting at that kitchen table, which was under a very sunny window, and looking at the sugar that spilled out of the new sugar bowl and watching it sparkle like glitter in the sunshine. And it was lovely. And I never forgot that it was only lovely like that because I broke it. But, um, but still, it was very, very lovely. Now, if we look back some 2,000 years, we might remember that one night, sitting with his disciples at the table, Jesus broke bread. Couldn't be put back together. Once you break bread, it's broken. I mean, I suppose you could, you know, if it's wonder bread, you can squash it back together, but that's not the bread they were eating. So it wouldn't really go back together as a loaf of bread. But that bread did come together again over time in the form of disciples moving as a new whole. Bread is kind of a sticky, gluteny mass, so it's, it holds together. That's, that's how bread stays in a loaf if we don't break it. And it is full of yeast, and so it rises up and gets bigger. And um, that's exactly what broken bread does. If we pay attention in a few minutes when I'm standing at the altar with Kathy Scott and you're standing and watching, we will again put that bread that Jesus broke back together, will become that sticky glutinous mass, and will rise up because there's yeast in us, and we become this new thing that bread on its own could never be. Jesus himself was broken only days later. A broken Jesus, I just turned off my notes. <laughs> a broken Jesus couldn't, couldn't come back together in quite the same way he once had been. But he did come back together again in the form of this group of disciples who had a new commitment to spreading that name across the countryside. Disciples who were committed to becoming more and more like the Jesus they had followed and like the Jesus they saw once again risen. When Jesus rose from death, he was a new thing. For 30-some years, people had watched Jesus walk around on the earth in the form of a child, as a boy, as a man. But suddenly, they saw Jesus walking on the earth as this thing that had never happened before. This man, once dead, now alive again. That's a new thing. Only God could do that. The business of mending and restoring and making things new is what God does. And if we allow God to mend and restore and make us new, then we take on that same task in the world. All around us, there are things that are broken. Some things that might be put back together again. Some things that might be almost put back together and have a new life. 
some things that will never be repaired. And then all we can do is love and comfort and stick ourselves together to kind of fill in the gaps of what's gone missing. It's just a fact of life that sometimes things come apart. Towers fall. In Indiana, more like trees fall, but towers fall as well. Hearts can sink. Hopes can be shattered. There are some things that need to be broken in order to do what they were made to do, like bread being broken so we can share it. Or like those Israelites wandering in the desert, striking rocks to find water to sustain them. Or like shrubbery that burns in the desert. Having lived in the desert, I know that there are a lot of desert plants that won't recede if they're not burned. It's that burning that pops the seed open and allows the shrubbery to regenerate new life. And every bush will be just a bit different, but it takes a burning to make them come to life. So when we find things broken that were never meant to be broken in the first place, like teacups, people, will we have what it takes to put them back together do we have enough glue or nails or rubber bands or a bit of sticky bread and wine? Can we use that to put something back together? Will we have enough love, enough patience, and enough courage to mend those things that will take a long time in the mending? That's what we're called to do. And just as importantly, we're also called to learn the value of something once broken and never mended in our lives. People die, hearts get broken, towers fall. Some things can't be repaired, but we still need the love and the patience and the courage to somehow build life around those remnants. And will we be able to learn new value in things, once broken, now mended, but never quite the same? Can we find ways to value and to love things that have been cobbled back together? And most of all, I guess, the question I want to leave you with is this one. Will we be able to see the joy of sugar sifting through the cracks sparkling in the sun, day after day, as the sun, as the sun pours through the window. Amen.